QuackCast, The Revenant Edition. This is number 231, and is called Make Acupuncture Great Again. References for this QuackCast can be found at the Science-Based Medicine blog entry of the same name from December 19th, 2023. Eh, that's an unwieldy title. I need to shorten the concept up to some sort of acronym. I can't come up with what that might be. I'll have to think about it. More acupuncture nonsense this week, this time from the Annals of Internal Medicine. I will give the Annals this. They have been consistently embracing the nonsense that is scam for decades. It was their reviews on the topic back in the 1990s that got me interested in scams. By the way, Annals always has two ends. If you are looking for a review on, say, the treatment of Staph aureus bacteremia that was published in the Annals and you forget an N, let's just say the resultant search that pops up on the screen at the nursing station is not safe for work. But I digress. The topic today is efficacy of acupuncture for chronic spontaneous urticaria, a negative study that was spun as a win. That's so Annals. Let's go through the study and see just how they are attempting to make acupuncture great again. The introduction. They discuss chronic spontaneous urticaria, a miserable itching disease, with therapies that are either less than efficacious or costly. So what do you do when you lack an effective and inexpensive treatment? Acupuncture, which is expensive and ineffective, as we will see. First, as always, is a nod to the appeal to antiquity. Fallacy, of course. Quote, acupuncture has been used to treat pruritus for more than a thousand years, as has bleeding and cupping, I might add. That doesn't mean the intervention actually works, mind you, and the myth of antiquity of acupuncture has been discussed many times at science-based medicine. I suppose once upon a time acupuncture was great, back before science-based medicine and randomized clinical trials revealed the nothing burger that is acupuncture. Well, no, it's time to make acupuncture great again. Quote, relevant studies have found that acupuncture can inhibit the peripheral and central transmission of pruritus by altering the signaling pathway and transcriptional activities. It can? So acupuncture doesn't work with meridians and key? Great. They quote a reference, a review of acupuncture and itch, acupuncture for the treatment of itch, peripheral and central mechanisms. The review is interesting in that it is mostly about mouse models and are mostly about the results of electroacupuncture, which isn't acupuncture, at least not in the classic sense of the antiquity of acupuncture, unless you consider the 1950s ancient. And having been born in 1957, I do feel increasingly ancient. I will admit, I do have a bias towards therapies that are very narrow in their application. The fewer the effects, the better. I would be hesitant to give an intervention for urticaria, like acupuncture, that also has simultaneous effects on, quote, neuropeptides and hormones, including beta-endorphins, serotonin, oxytocin, adrenal corticotropic hormone, gonadotropin-releasing hormone, corticotropin-releasing hormone, cholecystokinin and acetylcholine, as well as insulin sensitivity, immunomodulation, and autonomic nerve activity. That's a pretty broad-spectrum intervention, if it actually did it. 
They then note that the studies of acupuncture and urticaria stink on ice, and quality studies need to be done to make acupuncture great again, at least for chronic urticaria. They reference a meta-analysis that I found curious in that it was a hodgepodge of treatment durations, forms of acupuncture, and acupoints, the usual dumpster fire trying to pass as a single coherent medical intervention. Quote, in total, all the treatments adopted in the included trials were based on traditional Chinese medicine theory. Electroacupuncture, again, that's traditional, was applied in two RCTs, while manual acupuncture was used in four RCTs. And aside, I can't pronounce a Chinese name, so I'm going to use their other designations. SP10, ST36, and LI11 were applied the most frequently in included studies. Other acupoints used were SP6, LI4, BL20, BL18, and GV11. They specifically excluded non-traditional Chinese pseudomedicine acupunctures in the meta-analysis. Why? They don't say, but curious. So Japanese or Korean weren't included. That is one of the ongoing issues in trying to make acupuncture great again. Acupuncture proponents always act like acupuncture is a monolithic intervention when there are dozens upon dozens of acupuncture styles. Which one is supreme? Trick question. They are all crap. Except Tan Ren, the only legitimate form of acupuncture. And if you've not seen Tong Ren, look it up on the internet. But no two acupuncture studies use the same style, duration, or acupoints. The study. 300 patients are randomized to either real or non-penetrating sham acupuncture, as if there's a difference. And there was also a wait list. Patients were blinded, but the acupuncturists were not. The patients kept a diary of symptoms and antihistamine use. Why the traditional Chinese form of acupuncture and not Tong Ren and why the particular acupoints were used are not discussed. Yet another recurrent mystery in an acupuncture study. A system of interventions based on non-existent anatomy and physiology, key in meridians, and a fanciful diagnostic modality, tongue and pulse examination, is somehow mapped onto a process that is mostly mediated by abnormal histamine release. How and why is not explained. And why did they use those seven acupoints? Not mentioned. I looked at a couple of the acupoints used for clarification. How about the Kuchi, a.k.a. Charo, point in the arm? It's quite the acupoint. For you youngsters, Charo was a singer, a Spanish singer from the 60s and 70s who was known as the Coochie Girl. So there was a joke there for old people. I'm sure the young folks don't understand at least half of my references. But anyway, quote, according to the etiology, allergic diseases are related to wind and heat. According to the pathogenesis, most of allergic diseases are key blood diseases. From the theory of Zhang Fu, Allergic diseases are closely related to the depressed heat of yang min and stomach intestine, and the common elements of the pathogenesis of allergic diseases are wind, heat, qi, blood, and yang ming. When reviewing the ancient literature and modern research, the key therapeutic effect of kuchi, LI11, and its special treatment effect on allergic diseases are summarized. It is suggested that the key therapeutic characteristics of kuchi are dispelling the wind, clearing the heat, cooling the blood, 
and regulating stomach intestine function are in accordance with the common causes and pathogenesis of allergic diseases. Therefore, Kuchi is considered an important acupoint for the treatment in allergic diseases. Now, I understand the individual words in that paragraph, but they really do sum to meaninglessness. How dispelling the wind, clearing the heat, cooling the blood, and regulating stomach intestine function relates to the altering of the signaling pathways and transcriptional activity mentioned in the introduction is not mentioned, although it is the alleged justification of acupuncture efficacy for urticaria. These papers are not noted for their clear and precise reasoning. The next point in Zhu Hai near the knee. According to Master Tongue's acupuncture, it, quote, invigorates and cools blood, dispels blood stasis, and harmonizes menstruation. And it is a point used for irregular menstruation, dysmenorrhea, and uterine bleeding, as well as urticaria eczema and erysipelas, a group A strep infection. Certainly diseases that are very closely related. That was sarcasm, by the way. I wonder. Each acupuncture point usually has two or more very different functions. If you treat, say, urticaria at Zui Hai in someone with normal menses, will you induce, say, dysmenorrhea? I don't know. The closest I can find is, quote, Moreover, acupuncture points have a bidirectional regulation effect, the idea that an intervention pushes the patient towards a homeostatic state rather than having a unidirectional effect that might either help or harm. For example, acupuncture not only lowers blood pressure, but also modulates low blood pressure in patients and animal models. Acupuncture can increase epigastric peristalsis for constipation symptoms, but it also has an antidiarrheal effect. In addition, acupuncture at the same point also has the bidirectional regulation effect. Acupuncture at GV20 has been shown to be effective in treating both hypertension and hypotension. Siguan, a combination of LI4 and LR3 bilateral meridian points, is one of the most important acupuncture points to treat multiple gastrointestinal symptoms, including constipation and diarrhea. Despite the fact that the opposite regulatory effect of acupuncture points has been used for treating specific symptoms and or diseases, it is not fully understood how the effect at acupuncture points works. It doesn't, please. That last sentence really did make me smile. As the proverb says, you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear or a USB drive out of a breath mint. How acupuncturists focus the effects of acupuncture at each point to the desired effects and avoid the other potential interactions is not mentioned and remains one of the great mysteries of acupuncture. Here is how to find the Zui high point per master tongue. Quote, when the knee is flexed, the point is too conproximal to the superior medial border of the patella on the bulge of the medial portion of the quadriceps femoris muscle. Or with the patient's knee is flexed, place the heel of your right palm on the patient's left patella with the thumb and fingers extended at the thumb at 45 degree angle with the index finger. The point is where the tip of your thumb rests. You know, given the variation in hand and leg size, it is not surprising that this is a difficult point to locate. Quote, the position of SB10 is clear, but its locating method is vague. 
resulting in the disunity of clinical application and even the possibility of affecting the curative effect. Also, when learning the meridians and acupoints, the beginners are often confused by this issue. So you really have to wonder if they were indeed needling the correct acupuncture points in the urticaria study. And they used the Shen Men point, which is not only used for urticaria, but also, quote, amnesia, stupor, mania, insomnia, palpitations due to fright, irritability, and chest pain. This point is so powerful, it can be used alone without the need for other complementary acupoints, or so one paper suggests. Why the authors did not make use of this unique feature and spare the patient multiple needles can only be speculated. I could go on with the others, but it would be pointless. See what I did there? Acupuncture? They use needles. Needles, unlike acupuncture, have a point. That was a never-before-used play on words for the ages. Classic comedy. It is why you listen to this podcast. But I digress. Again. So we know the acupoints used, but not why they were chosen or how their other effects were avoided. The sham acupuncture was non-penetrating at non-points. Although given the inexactness of acupoints and the multiple acupuncture styles, it could be argued that every point on the body is a potential acupoint. Except as I have noted, the eyeballs, the nail beds, and the genitals are all oddly lacking in acupoints. Patients kept a diary of symptoms and medication use, perhaps not the most reliable method for reliable data. The primary outcome was the weekly urticaria activity score at four weeks. Secondary outcomes were a variety of other symptom scores, all subjective endpoints, so all subject to bias. The original protocol said serum IgE levels were to be measured at the beginning and the end of the trial, but that was not reported in the final paper, and the lack of IgE testing was not addressed. Drum roll, please. The results? Acupuncture had greater improvement in the various scores than sham or weightless, but, quote, the effect was not clinically important. And all the adverse effects were in the acupuncture group, 15 patients had 21 adverse reactions, 13.6%, although they were mild and transient. And, while not significant, more guessed they were in the sham acupuncture group. So it was a negative study. No surprise there. What little difference between acupuncture and sham acupuncture could be accounted for by blinding failure and the study being done in a society that usually has positive effects for acupuncture. In fact, I was surprised at the lack of effect in the study, whose effects are based on subjective endpoints of the study. And if you are a Bayesian kind of guy, given the prior probability that acupuncture would do anything is zero, you would rightly conclude that any positive effect, if there had been one, would be a false positive, especially given the flaws in the study. If this had been a pharmaceutical, say an antibiotic, that had no clinically relevant effects, had more adverse reactions, and was very time and money intensive, 10 sessions in the first two weeks, 6 sessions in the second can't be cheap, would you declare the pharmaceutical a bust and move on? But if you are the annals, 
How about an editorial by an acupuncturist promoting acupuncture? Time to make acupuncture great again. Yep, they release the Kraken. The editorial that accompanies the article briefly documents the author's use of acupuncture, never clarifying which type or which points are used and conflating electro and standard acupuncture, the typical lack of precision and clarity that is always the hallmark of acupuncture discussions. And he does not mention Tong Ren, which, as I have said, is the only legitimate form of acupuncture. I mean, if anything is going to make acupuncture great again, it would be Tong Ren. The author of the editorial appears to think that the effects of acupuncture are due to altering inflammation. Quote, I had come to terms with the fact that some of the more surprising claims from traditional Chinese medicine might have a basis in science. Nope. A good example is the influence of acupuncture on the immune system. None. The vagal anti-inflammatory reflex suggested a mechanism by which neural activity could modulate systemic inflammation. When you read paragraphs like this, you realize how little alt-med providers really know about illness and inflammation. And it was electroacupuncture that had the effect. I suppose those who die in the electric chair with the contacts at acupoints on the head and feet are impressively anti-inflamed. Other than greater inflammation, the greater the effects of the at-best trivial interaction that is acupuncture. The effects of acupuncture in sepsis being greater as there is so much more inflammation in sepsis. I have discussed sepsis and acupuncture in the past. I was not impressed. Quote, when I saw the results of Zhang and colleagues' article on acupuncture for chronic spontaneous urticaria, I was not surprised to see a demonstration of efficacy over sham and weightless control, but the results did not seem to be as dramatic as we see in sepsis, which may reflect the fact that the degree of inflammation is much more modest. A homeopathic-like mindset, I guess. The greater the inflammation, the more the acupuncture effect. So the greater the disease burden, the more effective the therapy. By that rationale, 500 milligrams of cephalexin would be more effective for prosthetic valve endocarditis than it would be for a boil. The annals of internal medicine really thought this was a reasonable assertion? Jesus. The author credits acupuncture for a risk reduction for coronary artery disease in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. That also is an interesting article. The acupuncture analyzed is based on procedure codes for acupuncture and, of course, electroacupuncture, not a randomized clinical trial. Quote, we analyzed the acupuncture type that patients received by the treatment codes, which included manual acupuncture of TCM type and electroacupuncture. And they used a variety of points that I won't list here. I cannot for the life of me find the details of what those codes represent. So just having acupuncture, irrespective of type or acupuncture points used, will decrease coronary artery disease in rheumatoid arthritis patients. An amazingly powerful intervention. I think I might be a bit skeptical here, but the article does have the most amusing artwork, please go to figure two, to demonstrate the two types of acupuncture. I think they hired a second grader to do the artistic work. Of course, no gloves were used with the acupuncture. And the author concludes an attempt to make acupuncture great again evaluates a loss, and calls it a win. Quote, This is the first description of efficacy of acupuncture in another non-pain condition, 
albeit lacking in clinical importance in terms of the magnitude of the mean difference from baseline. We should stay open to the potential for adjunctive use of acupuncture to influence outcomes, even in serious medical conditions, and remember that it is easily overlooked because it lacks the commercial backing of many of our modern interventions. Nope. It is a negative study. Acupuncture is theatrical placebo with no real physiological effects besides local trauma. It's not used because it's worthless. But this is consistent with those who want to make acupuncture great again. You hint at a malign conspiracy as to why your intervention is a failure and not used. You know, it must be awful to be a scam provider. Time and money and ego invested into a farce. The sunk cost must be in the Marianas Trench. It must be depressing to be a scam provider and live with the knowledge, however slight, that what you are doing is nonsense, but you are stuck. I can't find data on how many acupuncturists lose faith, but it is common enough in pastors, so I suspect there is more than a few scam providers who no longer buy into their particular delusion but cannot change. A sad way to spend the one life you have. So, Another failure from the Make Acupuncture Great Again crew. Huh. Maybe the annals has one too many ends after all. And that ends the 231st QuackCast. The references are available online at the December 19th, 2023 Science-Based Medicine blog post. And a gentle reminder, go buy my novel, Skeptics in the Pub, Cholera. After all, you know my motto, The world needs more Mark Chrislip. Talk to you next time. Bye.